I went through a period of, you know, of, of, of deep trauma uh, and pain, uh, you know, in my 30s, let's say. And um, now when you process it, when you meet other people who are going through something similar, I mean, you've, you've felt those deep emotions and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but now that I've gone through it, I can kind of have this empathy and, and look them in the eye and say, boy, you know, I've been there right, right there with you. Hey, Nick Nanton here, and thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. I want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of this show on YouTube. So before we continue, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. You'll have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you're on your phone, just go into your settings and switch on notifications. Thanks for watching. Hey, everyone. Nick Nanton back here with a great guest on Now to Next. Uh, I love conversations with this gentleman. You can already see him on the screen, so I can't hide who he is. Mark, what's going on, man? Mark Schaefer, how are you? Oh, I'm great. And uh, Nick, you're just one of my favorites. And uh, could, I, I, I just couldn't wait to get back and, uh, and connect with you and see you. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation today. Just so everyone knows, Mark has a new book. It's available right now, pre-launch on Kindle, coming out actually January 9th. Uh, and I cannot wait to talk about this entire uh, this entire concept, this book, um, and we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, let me read Mark's bio. As those of you know who listen to this later, it is not linear, but it's helpful in this context to get uh, to get into it. So Mark Schaefer is a globally recognized keynote speaker, educator, marketing consultant, and author. His blog, Grow, is considered one of the top marketing blogs in the world. Mark has worked in global sales, PR, and marketing positions for more than 30 years and provides consulting services as executive director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions. Mark holds seven patents and is a faculty member of the graduate studies program at Rutgers University. He is the best-selling author of nine books, including the first book ever written on influencer marketing. His latest book is launching in January, as I just talked, uh, just discussed, and it is titled Belonging to the Brand why community is the last great marketing strategy. I love this idea, Mark, because you're combining for the first time I've ever seen it, um, community as a marketing strategy yes. and dissecting that. Yes. And you're including, you're including brand in that. And brand, um, all of these topics on their own, marketing, branding, and community can be very confusing topics. I mean, you could, you could get a PhD on any of these and still be confused about it. <laughs> so um, what I, let's start from my context is that I always explain to people that, you know, don't get confused by a brand. A brand is simply a story and branding is just storytelling. Yes. A great brand is a story others want to tell for you. That's how I describe it to think it through. That is fantastic. Well, I like you take, take it and use it. What I've started talking about too is a relationship um, is nothing more than a human connection that has a story tied to it. And that story is either positive or negative, right? Typically, you, like you, you either smile when someone calls you or you go, oh, when someone calls you and you're like, do I answer, do I not answer? Mm -hmm. So I want to start talking about like, because community is really relationships and how all these people relate to each other and with sort of the main, I guess, the community leader, depending on how the community is set up. So th th so many places to go with this. I think the best place to start is where you start in your book with a, a moment, a defining moment in your life 
uh, in school where I think we all have these moments that we either honor or we try to hide in the back closet of our of our mind. And it, I can tell you from personal experience, if we hide it in the back closet of our mind, that is where a lot of anxiety, depression, other things come from. I don't suffer clinically with those, but I, I know it from experience from, from friends. Mm -hmm. And um, these things cause us trauma. And if we do not honor our past, we can never achieve our full future. So let's talk for a second about a moment you're willing to talk about that. That was clearly a defining moment for you that you None of us typically want these defining moments to be our be a defining moment, but it's what we do with them. So share that story with us, Mark. Well, the story, uh, I have a, a, a great, great friend, uh, Keith uh, Jennings. He's one of the most brilliant men I know. And he said that each of us has a furnace and the furnace is created by something that happened in our past that's burning in, inside us. Now, I think that's the productive use of those stories yes. from our past, right? Yes, that's true. And, you know, I have a couple furnaces <laughs> and one of them was, um, I, I moved to a new school, moved to a new state in America. And, um, I guess the short part of the story is, um, I was, I was attacked by a bully and, um, escaped a, uh, molestation situation. And as I was escaping the bully said he would kill me if I told anybody. I was 12 years old. And uh, so for the next, uh, you know, year, two years of my life, I, I was a ghost. Uh, I was just a shadow person and um, was traumatized and just avoided everything because this guy might be there. Uh, and uh, he always had these threatening stares and then, you know, I, I moved to another school and I've started all over again and was, you know, I, and I was just so uh, lonely. And in the, the first semester of, of my freshman year of high school, I don't think I had one meaningful conversation with anybody. And then this sort of miraculous thing happened um, out of sheer desperation. And I still don't really have an explanation of how I had the courage to do this. I tried out for the school play. You know, I'd never really done anything like that before. And in the second part of uh, high school, I got the lead as a freshman in the senior musical. And all of a sudden, I had a tribe. I had a community. I had friends. I had people who were mentoring me, people who were cheering for me, and girls were flirting with me. And... I've always been haunted by this question. Um, what would have happened to me if I hadn't made that play? Because I was heading in the wrong direction. I was heading, you know, this is, a, these are the formative years. The research shows a lot of the things we experience in our early years, you know, show up as, as we are as adults. And after I joined this group, I was like unleashed. I became a leader. I was the president of the National Honor Society. Uh, I was involved in sports. I was involved in student government. I won all these awards. I won all these scholarships. And and it's 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 never. I've never been able to get it out of my mind. Um, 
Number one, what would have happened to me? Would I be here with you? Would I have written this book? And number two, and this was a big incentive for me about writing this book. The world is just whacked out right now. And there was this headline in the New York Times, the loneliest generation talking about Gen Z. And it just breaks my heart about all these things that are going on, the pandemic, more time spent online, which in many ways is empty social calories. And so I point to three megatrends coming together that point to community as something we have to take seriously as businesses, but but can also be important as, as a way to pivot our marketing. Number one is this idea that mental health is a big, big deal right now. We've never had more people who are more lo- lonely, more isolated, more depressed, and they're longing to belong. Number two, so much technology these days is enabling us to connect in new ways. We hear all these confusing things about Web3 and the metaverse and NFTs. Well, guess what? When you cut through all the hype, it's ways to belong. You and I have a mutual friend, John Briggs. He's created an amazing new community. He's in my new book based only on NFTs. He says the fastest growing community he's ever seen. Then the third, and this is something I've been writing about for a long time. Our traditional ways of marketing just don't work anymore, right? I mean, who sees ads anymore? I've, I watch more TV and, than I've ever watched in my life. I never see ads because it's streaming. And I listen to more music than I've ever listened in my life, but it's on Spotify and I don't right. hear ads. So, so businesses have got to find another way to break through. And my view is community is not really being seen through the lens of brand marketing if they're doing it at all. And it's it's the greatest untapped opportunity probably in the history of marketing. Yeah, that's uh, really interesting. A couple of things you said there, um, like Spotify, for instance, like there's like they have all the data they could ever want to know about me ever, yet they have not put me into a community of any kind to discuss my esoteric music tastes, right? Or whatever it is. So that's, that's actually really interesting. Um, number two, what, uh, just so I know, so I, uh, so I understand you better, Mark, what do you, what are you listening to these days? Like what, what get, what's on your Spotify playlist? Well, let me go back to you with two comments. Spotify is actually in the book. And, and you, you bring up a really interesting point because it makes so much sense. Why wouldn't they uh, put, us, put us into a group? But what makes Spotify so uh, interesting and so unusual, their special sauce, really is the human component. In their, they, they've got a, a community called Rockstars. And um, they're the ones who are curating a lot of these lists. Right. So yep. anyway, uh, I kind of, uh, when I got, <laughs> when I got my end of the year Spotify, um, you know, highlights, yep. it said I listened to like 72 genres. I didn't even know there were 72 genres. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I listened to 72 genres. There's probably lots of little micro genres. Um, I do have very eclectic tastes. Um, I sort of, um, 
uh, I, I, I sort of wave waver between, I don't know, for lack of something better, kind of indie kind of rock to yep. jazz. I, I listen to a lot of jazz. I'm sort of in a jazz period right now. Okay. Cool. And, uh, one of my favorite artists is, uh, is, is Pat Metheny, uh, okay. a, a famous collaborator with him sure. died recently, Lyle Mays. And so yeah. it kind of uh, stoked my interest in, in, in Pat Metheny again. And I'm reading a book over the holidays about his teenage years that helped him become one of the most influential guitarists ever. Cool. Well, I love, I love hearing that. Uh, I'm a big guitar fan, big guitar player. So I, I love it. Um, one of the things I want to I want to stop and talk about the coolest thing about this now people watching this or listening to this are are gonna you know they're gonna separate themselves from you and or me by the way in many cases because they may not have written a book they may not have ever hosted a podcast or been a podcast guest and I I always want to bridge these gaps um, and and one of the things I think is so amazing about what you have done here is that you took the time to honor a story that many in their life would have just been like, oh, that's not a big deal. I actually didn't get molested or no one died or I didn't like, it's like, there's this military guilt I talk about all the time where someone who didn't get deployed is like really feels uneasy about when you tell them thank you for their service because they didn't get deployed and someone who deployed and never went outside the wire and saw gunfire, they, they're like, no, no, I never saw gunfire. And the one who didn't get shot, it's like, no, 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 he got shot. I didn't. And then when he got shot, it's like, oh, I didn't die. That guy died. I didn't. Yeah. So like, there's just like, we're never quite good enough in the levels we set and these ideals that we set. And so one of the things I think is really important for people to understand is you need to process through this stuff because it's not what actually happened in a lot of cases. Now that's, I don't want that to be a call of danger, make up what happened, because that's not what I'm saying. That's dangerous. But it's not it's not the the cut and dry of what happened. It's how you emotionally process what happened. And what happened to you clearly was traumatic enough for you to go into a shell for two years, right? And that and something way less than that might have set someone else off, and something way more than that might set someone else off. So I just really want to take the moment to just tell people who are listening if there's something that is bothering you from your past but you don't feel like it's significant enough or you're significant enough don't do that to yourself you know deal with it however you need to get get some therapy start talking out with a good friend start talking with someone who loves you my very good friend who you need to talk to if you haven't anyway mark is dr ned hallowell Ned is the top ADHD psychiatrist in the world. He talks about, he's a Harvard trained guy. He talks about vitamin C, vitamin connect, and it's what we need more of in our lives. And what he says is when you, when you stew and brood on something, it's worry. The moment you start discussing it with someone, it becomes problem solving. It becomes, you know, it becomes a totally different side of it than just worry and concern. It becomes a, it can become a positive experience when you share it with those who you know would help you process it. Uh, and not, you know, not commandeer the conversation, right? Right. And it, I, I couldn't agree more. And and what I've found as I process the the, the dark places in my life, it, it, it can not only be productive, it can be a superpower. So let me just give you an example. You know, I, I went through a period of, you know, of, of, of deep trauma uh, and pain uh, you know, in my thirties, let's say. And, um, now when you process it, when you meet other people who are going through something similar, I mean, you've, you felt those deep emotions 
and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But now that I've gone through it, I can kind of have this empathy and, and look them in the eye and say, boy, you know, I've been there right, right there with you. Let me just listen to you and let me just be here for you. So it can be a new, a new cape for us to, to, to display. You know, and I think already uh, you mentioned that the Kindle book has just come out. Uh, already, you would not believe the messages I'm getting just by sharing that story. And, and, and people are saying, you know, wow, you know, this story tips something off for me that something happened to me in those days and I really haven't processed it. So maybe that'll be a positive that comes out of the book. I, I, I look, if that's all that happened, you changed, you would change millions of lives if just by the nature of how many people, you know, are touched by each human on this earth. You know, another thing I think is really interesting here that I love to point out is when I, someone else listening to this would be like, well, I don't, I don't have a story like that. And, and I'm thankful if they don't have a story like that, quite frankly, right. but you know, you didn't tell that story to get attention. You told that story to help other people. And what I tell everyone is when we all have that uncle or cousin or aunt who is just a blowhard at every family event, like they just love to hear themselves talk. They love mm. to tell the same story over and over because they love to hold court and they'd be the center of attention. This is not work. what works in storytelling. Storytelling works when you share something for the purpose of helping someone else. And so I want what I want everyone to take away from this part of that conversation is you everybody has a story that could help someone else and when you when you honor that and start sharing those things you will just be shocked at the way people start um start looking at you differently, start respecting you more, start having a deeper connection with you and start valuing you more. So, but it really is all about that story being for their own good, not your own good. Now you got to process it yourself first for your own good. But then once you share it beyond that, it really needs to be for the purpose of helping someone else deal with some similar situation in their own life. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, Nick, I mean, I, I grew up in a very stoic family, right? where, you know, big boy, you know, big boys don't cry. You don't show your emotions. You don't talk about these things. So it's been a process for me to learn even how to talk about it. Yeah. And, and, and for me, the purpose of sort of putting that into this narrative is to establish a connection with my reader to say, look, I've, I've, I've lived through this. And this is kind of one of the reasons why uh, I'm, you know, I'm writing this book. Uh, because it's such a problem in the world right now. I mean, this it's I think th this whole idea of mental health is going to be a mega trend for at least the next decade. Well, yeah, well, I, I think very importantly, we finally started paying attention to it. Right. And so I think you could argue that it, it should hopefully be a much bigger part of all of our lives forever, because now we've identified it and we, you know, we can talk about it. Um, in the context of the book, um, hopefully that alone helps a lot of people. And, and thank you for sharing that story. Um, going in, you've really divided the book into three sections. Um, the first section being how community is the last great marketing strategy. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it from a business perspective. How is, how is community the last great marketing strategy? Yeah. It's kind of a bold statement. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, the, the, where I'm coming from on that is uh, I, I, there's a, st a story in the beginning of that section that talks about, I went back to my um, 
childhood home of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And there's a store there that's been there since 1903. My grandfather used to shop there. And you walk into the store, it still has the same old wood floors and all the signs are handwritten. And they've got a glass case that's like 30 feet long that has 400 different kinds of cheese. You know, people have been coming there for more than a century. And this, this I'm standing there just watching this thing unfold. And this lady comes up to the counter and the lady behind the counter knows her. And they start talking about their families. She said her husband had a fall. And the lady behind the counter says, oh, you know what? I We just got in his favorite. Let me wrap up a little special, something special for him. And they chatted for a while. And then the, the customer didn't leave the store. She saw some friends over at a table. And they went over and they started laughing. And I felt this deep sense of sadness that I've never had a shopping experience like that. Yeah, I've never walked in a store that knows me and knows my, my family and my kids and knows my name. And I see my friends and, and it's, it's not just shopping. It's, it's like an experience. And I'm just one generation away from that. And, and I live in a world where I, I despise shopping. It gives me anxiety. And that's why I say this is the last great marketing strategy because it's the first marketing strategy belonging to a place that's the way it always was. You shopped at a place because you went there for your meat and you went there for your tailoring and you went there for your, uh, your vegetables because those are the people in your community that does that. They know it and you belong to that place and, and, and that's where the emotion is. That's the only marketing that you need. We've never lost that. I mean, we've never really lost that desire to belong. In fact, is greater than ever because all of the institutions we used to belong to are gone or disappearing. So that's point number one. Point number two is there's a case study in my book. I've never done this before, Nick. This is my 10th book. There's one chapter in the book that's devoted entirely to one person. It's a woman named Dana Maustaff. Uh, Dana was, uh, she, she was an entrepreneur and she, uh, got pregnant and she was struggling with, am I an entrepreneur? Am I a mom? And she was being pulled in two directions. And she said, well, I, I, I want to do both. She created a community called boss mom to nurture people and, and, and support people going through the same thing. She now has 70,000 people that belong to this Facebook group. In her first eight months, she was making a six-figure salary. Her business has doubled every year. And she has no sales department, no marketing department, no advertising budget at all. And, and it's, so it's, it's, it's weird that she can sell everything she makes, videos and books and, and events and, and consulting. And she doesn't have to have any marketing. So the, this is like the greatest marketing of all. If you have a community, you don't need SEO. You don't need branded content. It's over. You've got everything you need. You have this community. You have the emotion. And as long as you build and sustain this community, that, that, that can become your business. There's examples. There's 
brand new case studies in this book about businesses that moved to community and the community actually became the business. It makes complete sense. Um, and it's, you know, that's quite frankly, that's how I fund all my documentaries. It's through my community. They, they want to help me tell someone else's story, share someone else's story. And, uh, it, the only reason I'm able to do that is because it's a community of relationships I've built over time that are, you know, I've helped them and they're willing yeah. to help me back. So that's, that makes, I, I love hearing it that way. Um, this, the second part, well, first of all, too, I think it's really important that we like, even if you didn't look at it this way in the past, um, the, the listener, you know, we all as kids, probably teenagers is probably where it, um, where it's probably easiest. You probably have the most vivid memories of, you know, buying a certain brand of t-shirt or jacket or shoes because you wanted to be seen as part of a community because everyone in that community, whether it's the kids in drama or the band or the jocks or the like, whatever, right? Like how did, what did they wear? What, what did that community look like? And then, uh, and then secondarily, we've been doing it forever too, just by, we talked about earlier, identifying with music. I mean, music is a huge part of people's community identity. Um, particularly, I think in those, in those formative years, they, it, a lot of people use it to find their, their lane. Um, section two, you start talking about the art and science of community. Um, tell us about this, like what is the art and what is the science and how do we, how do we start looking at building our own communities? This is, I, I love this part of the book because it, it talks about how working with a community is so different than what we normally think of in terms of, of leadership or even marketing management. It's about giving up uh, command and control. Um, one of the, the ideas in that section in terms of the art part of it is is. Uh, an example about the importance of status. Now, status is kind of a taboo topic in business. We don't, you know, we don't want to brag. We don't, you know, want to demonstrate uh, hubris. But in in status is is like uh, part of the engine of community. People join because they want to be recognized. They want to be acknowledged. In my own community, you know. I'm an experienced leader, but the two main functions in my community for me is number one, sort of uh, work on the culture, keep the culture sort of intact, a generous, friendly, ethical community, number one, and number two, dispense status. Those are the two most important parts of my job in my, in my community. That's a new way to think if you're working in brand marketing as a as a company. Uh, yeah. Wow. There's, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I think oh, oh, it, it, it's just, it's yeah. It, it turns management upside down uh, for good reason, by the way, which I, I love that. So part of the thing that I think is really fascinating there is um, when you start talking about status, I, I, I like talking from the point of view of like, sure with humility and everything else, like nobody wants to talk about it, but like if you do the right things for people and you treat them correctly and you, you know, one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan says, if you want to build a big business, you'll got to do three things, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do and say, please. And thank you. So like, if you do those things, you'll have more business than you can handle. Like you really will. And so, and when you do that thing for 
if it's a car detailing business, right? You will have status with your top clients because you take such good care of them that they always get compliments on how clean their car is. And they will not, they cannot wait to yeah. introduce their best friend to their secret weapon, yeah. which is you. And you have yeah. that like status is everything like status yeah. is magnetism. It and is. You, can, you don't get it by bragging. You yeah. get status by doing, you get status by showing improving. And so I think if we look at it from the point of view of what it really is, as opposed to false status or, you know, whatever, just, just, um, aggrand self aggrandizement, that isn't true status. I mean, to me, true status is like my, my friend, Dr. Nito Cobain, he, he always talks about leading a life of success and significance to mm. me. Status is, is significance. If you yeah. are significant enough in my world that I think, I think you need to know somebody else. I can't wait to give yeah. you that introduction, but you would not have that if you didn't hold status with me where I believed you were going to follow through and that, you know, that I believe you had ethics. I believe that you were intentional, all of these things. So yeah, let's, let's remove the BS from that word and use it yeah. for what it really is. That's well, uh, well, beautifully said. And, and one of the things I, I think you'll like when you, when you get to explore that chapter a little bit more is there's studies in there that show that, status not only is important for our psychological health, it actually impacts our physical health. I mean, it's, it's just, I learned so much just writing this book, writing a book is almost like getting another master's degree. Well, they say uh, we write the book we need to read, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's well, how it works. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, it's part of the journey. That's why you do it because you, yeah. you go, Oh, I, I want to teach this, but I need to learn more about it in order to yeah. teach it effectively. Right. Yeah. Um, that's uh yeah, there's it's great stuff. The um so all right, so now that we've sort of flipped this thing on its head, as opposed to um old school business for the most part, it's hard to generalize anything. Would be essentially, um, let me let me lead you and tell you what you need to do. Which there's an element of that in leadership, but it sounds to me like there's a second layer here in community where it's and I'm also going to listen to you. Yeah. and see what it is that you say you need and make sure that I'm taking care of what it is you actually need. Well, from a brand perspective, think of the power of that. Um, one of the trends I talk about in the book, especially with young people today, they're hiding out. Uh, they're, and they're not spending their time on Facebook or Twitter or places that we can see with these social listening platforms. They're spending their time in Discord and on Fortnite and in, in, you know, in the someplace, you know, in the metaverse, and, and they don't want to be seen. They don't want their information to be captured. But if they're in a community, then we can hear from them firsthand. This idea of firsthand in, in information, first party information that we're not getting from a marketing perspective from cookies anymore. Co-creation, collaboration, innovation, advocacy. These are all powerful things that can come from community that frankly are being overlooked. 70% of the brand communities today are focused on one thing, customer self-service, like a you know, tech support thing. Oh, you got a software pro, pro, you know, problem? Go visit our community, try to figure it out. That's fine. P the companies love it because it keeps the accountants happy. They can sort yeah. of you know, look at cost avoidance see how much they're saving. And one of the radical views in the book is like, look at this in terms of building 
emotional connection and brand value, which means you don't really measure it necessarily in those quantitative terms. Yeah. And one of the things I, I love that you, you say, a brand community exists to serve the people, not the business. And that's yeah. a, that's a different way of looking at things than a typical, you know, CFO would say, you know, a good CFO would say, all right, test it and show me the ROI on it. But a typical response would be like, no, 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 everything we need to do, everything we do needs to serve the business in order to drive maximum ROI. How does this work? How, how, how do you build a community that serves the people, not the business, but makes business sense? Well, that, that is the most important question. It really is, Nick. Because, and that's where businesses fail. All, you know, most communities fail because the purpose of the community is to sell stuff. And that's not what people want. They want to, you have to think of what's the intersection between you and your community where you can get together and people want to go there. For you, it's storytelling and making these stories come alive. That's exciting. Probably, you know, people probably like live through your storytelling and your adventures. My community is devoted toward uh, learning about the future of marketing together. So at the, a great example that I think everybody can relate to is, is Harley Davidson. They've got one, a huge community, HOG, right? Harley Owners Group. They go on rides together, festivals, 700,000 people show up at Sturgis, South Dakota every year because they're of this huge community. The purpose of Harley, their stated purpose, is to help people realize their dreams through a lifestyle of, of motorcycles, which is a nice way of saying, we want to help you become a badass. Now, Nick, think how different that is. They're selling transportation. Think how different that is from your car dealership saying, we're going crazy. It's our President's Day sale. $2,000 off now. <laughs> Harley right. will never do that. Right. They don't need SEO. They don't need crazy ads. They don't need coupons and discounts because they've got this emotion of community. Now, And there's, you know, there, there's no reason that a car dealership couldn't create that same thing. They're stuck in this rut. Eventually, you know, it's going to, they're going to go away because nobody wants that stuff. So it's this idea of the intersection. Yeah, I want to be a badass. Okay, we want to make you a badass. That's community. <laughs> done and done. Uh, I, I, have, I am very quickly becoming a part of the big green egg community. I, I bought one like nine months ago and I'm, man, I'm in love with just the, the fun of cooking with open fire and baking and smoking and, and like, and I was very intimidated by it, by the way, because I, I, I had never done any of that really before. And uh, thankfully, there are tools now like, well, this is funny. So when people tell me they don't know, and I, by the way, guilty of all of these things myself. So I'm not just throwing other people, but like, you know, we all think like, oh, if I were going to start a YouTube channel to share things with somebody, like, I'm not that much of an expert. I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. Why would people tune in? The, you know, the first thing I, I Googled when I got a big green egg is how to light a big green egg. Like literally step one, if you want to cook a freaking thing on the big green egg, you gotta be able to light it. But like, none of us think that people are looking for step one in anything. 
Like we yeah. just, cause we know it, it's not exciting. Like how yeah. would any idiot not know how to light a big green egg? Well, I can assure you this idiot did not know how. Yeah. So I just want to encourage people. It's okay to start at square one. Not everyone yeah. will start with you. And I guarantee you, there's a, journey. I guarantee you there's a big green egg community out there. Oh, there is. I've started. Oh, yeah. There's a big green egg festival. I mean, there's a, wow. in a, in a big stadium. Wow. I mean, it's like, a, cause wow. it's like, you know, it's, it's an affinity that people have to, I mean, cook and it in all different styles and outdoor cooking is sort of a you know, different thing, right. Than indoor cooking. So anyway, yes. Uh, so just, yeah. Uh, and a reminder for people start, start with step one, people will join you on the journey as far as you want to go. They might not all go back to step one, but never feel bad about starting at step one because there's always some idiot like me looking where to start at step one. Um, yeah. We got an interesting question from my friend Chris, who's, who's listening live. I've yeah. got a great story and an answer to this, but let's ask the question. He's asking, can community be implemented successfully into a nonprofit type organization? The answer is a resounding yes. Resounding. Uh, yeah. Talk, talk, talk about your experiences there, Mark. Yeah, I'm not I sure mean, what happened. And one of the things I, I work really hard to do is in this new book, I have really diverse case studies. I try to put in something for everybody. Big business, small business, international, B2B, B2C, and nonprofit. So um, it's a great case study uh, by uh, featuring uh, a person, uh, Alice Ferris, and she specializes in helping nonprofits with fundraising. And she laments in the book that fundraising for nonprofits used to be, hey, donate now and we'll give you this mug right. or our DVD set of Dolly Parton's greatest hits. And she said, we're not really serving the nonprofit. We're like selling mugs. And so she started creating community experiences. So, and, and that, and then the people that you're, that you're reaching out to, they're actually getting to see you and know you face to face. She gave this powerful example that people who started coming into this community of events and starting to know each other and know them, their average donation level went up from a hundred dollars a year to a hundred dollars a month. And I mean, nonprofits, as you know, Nick, I mean, it's all about the story. It's all about emotion. And if you really believe in a nonprofit, of course, you want to be part of that community. Uh, so I, I'm going to tell a story. I do a lot of work with a, a anti-human trafficking organization called Operation Underground Railroad. And what they have done is they've created a, a division of donors called abolitionists. And so you're stopping modern day slavery because everyone says, oh man, if I was alive during that time, I would do something. And the question is, would you? We literally have more people enslaved today than ever in history. But what are you doing about it? What can you do about it? Most people don't even know. So the ab becoming abolitionist is a monthly donation. I think it starts like $5 a month. And they're, you know, they've rescued thousands of people all across the globe, had lots of people, you know, persecuted and, you know, uh, left to held to account for what they've done. Uh, and, you know, as of right now, I'm looking on the website right now, you know, they say that the monthly donations from their abolitionist club covers 35% of all the op operations and aftercare efforts. Mm. So they're showing the significance of it, even if it's just five or $7 a month or whatever it is. And then they give benefits for being in the abolitionist club. You get exclusive stories, get discounts on their, 
on their merchandise, which people wear because they want people to know they're part of the community. Like if I were an Operation Underground Railroad t-shirt or hat, I have people stopping me literally at malls, soccer games. They are part of the community. And there's other things that go along with it too. But yes, I think community is the best. I mean, <laughs> you, you make the whole case for it in the book, but like there's nothing you could do better for a nonprofit than build a community. Yeah. Um, there's really nothing better you could do for a, a for-profit than build a community. So uh, this is why your business exists. Let me build on that for a moment. Yeah, because please. It, it, you know, I think this will help. This idea will help a lot of people um, listening, um, especially if they're in a nonprofit. Here's what I see, Nick. A lot of businesses and nonprofits especially are stuck on like social media. So social media is cool because you can connect to people who might not have ever heard of you before, but it's not really a, a strong relational link. You're putting content into the world. It's like throwing a message in a bottle in the ocean. You don't know if people are seeing it or not. The second stage is sort of like what you're doing. You, you create a streaming show, a podcast, you create films. Now you're creating content people can buy into. That's a stronger emotional connection, but in a way, it's still, um, it, it's an audience. It, it's a cult of personality. So if Nick, if you would go away, you know, a lot of your, you know, your shows would go away. Now, community is the, is the third and highest level. In community, you have people who not just care for you, but they care for each other. They start creating, collaborating with each other. They can help you build and help you grow and come up with new ideas. And, and that is the strongest emotional connection. Marketing and branding is about establishing that emotion uh, you know, with your fans, with your customers. So that's, that's the strongest opportunity that we have. Couldn't agree more. All right. Since we don't have hours to discuss this, which I wish we did, uh, we're coming to the end of our, our time here together. Section three, the next community, where community will go in the future. Share some insight from that. And by the way, just to remind everybody, this is all uh, from Mark's new book that is available on Kindle now, coming out January 9th uh, to the hardcover, I imagine, and softcover world as well. Um, the title is Belonging to the Brand, why community is the last great marketing strategy. Make sure you pick up a copy of that book. Uh, let's support Mark as our community does. Uh, Mark, tell us the answer to the big question of where's it going next so we know where to look and what to do. Well, two big things, and we, we sort of already kind of hinted at both of those. Number one is today most communities, it might be a Facebook group or a Slack channel or a LinkedIn group or you know a Twitter chat or something like that. Uh, th there's going to be just massive opportunities for community through Web3, tokenized economies, NFTs, metaverse. Uh, even artificial intelligence is going to have a role in building communities in the, the future. So there's a chapter dedicated to just getting people to start thinking about how the, how the world is, is starting to enable new types of community through technology. Now, so there's a technological technological component. There's also a sociological component. We also hinted at this, and it is this. 
young people today are not joining communities in what we would you know characterize as normal ways. They're hiding out in digital campfires all over the web. And so this presents a special challenge for brands. How do we find those people? How do we connect with those people? And I mean, this is going to be a massive challenge for business and marketers uh, going forward. So those are the really the two big factors that are going to be forging new types of communities uh, in the future. And then the last chapter in the book is sort of ties a ribbon on the book. I started chapter one with this story of how I was a lonely kid. And I end the book with a story about my own community and how this has just reignited me and re-energized me and have, has connected me to friends all over the world. So uh, it's kind of a nice emotional crescendo to the book. I love it. Well, Mark, I uh, always love speaking with you, man. It always, always goes places I don't expect, and that's why I love it. Uh, I love the work that you do and, and how much heart you put into it. I really encourage everybody here to connect with Mark online, Mark Schaefer, and check out the book, Belonging to the Brand, Why Community is the Last Great Marketing Strategy. Uh, I couldn't agree more with everything we discussed here. And as I study the book further, I'm sure there's more I'm going to learn. Mark, anything, anywhere you want people to go, anything you want to do particularly other than just check out the book? Well, you can find everything about me at Businesses Grow. It's hard to remember Schaefer because there's so many ways to spell it. Right. Um, but Businesses Grow, my blog is there, my podcast, my social media connections. I follow everybody back on LinkedIn and Twitter. And uh, if there is still a Twitter, <laughs> that remains to be seen. That's a discussion for another show, Nick. <laughs> yes, uh, and you can find my books there. Uh, my all, 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 This is my 10th book. You can find them all on my website. And uh, thanks so much, Nick. Uh, it's just been great seeing you again. I appreciate you and, and your great work. My pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. Take care. Hey, Nick Nanton here, and thanks for tuning in to Now to Next. I want to make sure you don't miss a single episode of this show on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. You have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you're on your phone, just go into your settings and switch on notifications. Thanks for watching.